Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Campionato di calcio italiano! Good morning, good afternoon, good evening everybody, it's me Dov from Forza Italian Football here for another Forza Italian Football Europod, European, it's not, it's not even European football, it's Champions League and Europa League football podcast roundup, looking at the Italian teams and their performance in Europe this week. And to help me do it, bringing them back from the Patty Shack, Podrick Whelan, Podrick, how are you? I'm well Dov, yeah, another successful Successful week for the, the Italian teams, reasonably speaking. I think we can. It's not all going to be the the fun we had in the last uh, the last round of fixtures, but I think we can be reasonably happy with this one, can't we? I think we can, but I think before we move on, I think uh, we need to let everybody into a wee secret because before recording this podcast, you did a wee quiz on the Simpsons. Didn't I you? did. I did. Did I you did. win? I did not. I did not. I didn't even do a Napoli. I'm afraid I was all the way down in the, the low bronze medal position. The bronze weekend third. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's not bad. But so what's that? F- FIF hashtag FIF at the quiz. At the quiz. At the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Right. Right. In the football. Um, where should we begin? Let's let's begin in Turin. Begin in Turin, yeah. It's, it's got a bit of a <laughs> that was funny. Um, Juventus won, Manchester United two. Cristiano Ronaldo scored uh, sixty-five minutes. Wonderful, really, really good goal that was. Uh, but then, eighty-six minutes in, Juan Mata and Leonardo Bonucci score goals. I mean, what on earth happened? Oh, Dov, I think. If, if you look up smash and grab in the dictionary, that is a, that is the game that's going to be there because that's, I, I I don't know. You're, you're almost lost for words after. That is just so uncharacteristic Juventus, especially in the last, I don't know, decade. I think it's almost a decade since they were beaten at home in the, the Champions League group stages, which in itself is, 
it's an incredible achievement and you know it really was just I think one of those games where it just goes to show you you get your chances and UV had plenty of them if you don't take them then there's always a chance you'll be punished and two set pieces uh, just so uncharacteristic but they did they, I think they hit the post twice or the woodwork they yeah. hit the post in the bar, bar they, they, yeah. in the post yeah they, they, they did have their chances to kill that game off and then when they eventually get the goal and bring on Barzali and they were shutting up shop it looked as if it was all done and well just it, it wasn't, wasn't. <laughs> Jose yeah Jose had his had his moment in the sun he did right, right. well let, let, let's talk about a few things then because um, some people have been getting on Chesney's back which I yeah, don't, I don't yeah. understand at all because I mean the free kick was a really really good free kick and um, I don't think he was too much to blame for the second goal as well because that was just a ball pumped in the box that had been flicked on and it's kind of like what do you expect him to do kind of thing you expect the defenders to maybe deal with that before he does I don't know I, I, I fell more in the camp that was probably critical towards him uh, uh, the first goal, I, I did see people kind of get on his back for the first goal. I thought that free kick was was decent. It probably wasn't right in the corner, but I think if the game had ended a draw, I don't think there would have been an outcry for Chesney, but because of what happened a few minutes later, it was probably a good excuse for people to go back and maybe point at that goal, point the fingers in his direction for that one. The second one, maybe, uh, I don't know, you could kind of look at your goalkeeper to come for that one, and I probably would be maybe pointing the finger at him after he kind of fumbles it a bit. He didn't seem too too confident on it. So I'd be, I wouldn't be too critical of him. I certainly wouldn't be, you know, oh, he's, he's not good enough he's for UV. Yeah. I've seen, yeah, I've seen like <laughs> false goals and those kind of takes where UV can't win the, the Champions League with this guy in goals, which are, I don't know, I think that that's that's still a bit harsh. I think he, he's, he's definitely a good goalkeeper. Just just to the mistake well that, that's kind of the weird thing like, about him obviously they, 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 remit, they, they I, I really doubt that Paul Scholes has watched Chesney since he's been yeah, there not, with Roma not or Roma, Juve yeah, yeah. and obviously Roma kept Allison out and Allison's now this amazing goalkeeper that everybody yeah. loves and um, last season they pretty much kept Buffon out of the UV team as well it was, yeah. he's been the better goalkeeper he has for a couple of, well pretty much since he's been there so he kind of deserves his spot um, so I think I, I think the the uh, the criticism on him is a bit harsh. Obviously, as well, a lot of people then have really kind of gone after Allegri for putting on Barzali with what I think it was like what seven minutes to go. Just decided, right, we're gonna three at the back, wing backs. There we go, sharp shop, and people seem to think that that was the reason. However, I think. I think Jose Mourinho got this right. That's exactly what I was about to say, though. I think it's the other dugout you probably have to look out and or look at, and the the subs that came from the Man United point of things. I think hit the nail on the head there, rather than look at Allegri. And back by popular demand, I've got Chris Voxgo.com's Manchester United correspondent, former. Italian football fan cast when it was that unfortunately Italian football podcast person uh, you, were, you were on the podcast a couple of weeks ago Chris when Juventus destroyed United at Old Trafford and now they've came to the Allianz Stadium where Juventus haven't been beaten at home in a group stage since 2009 I believe mm. against Bayern Munich and my United came and won what, how the hell did they manage that? Not quite I remember being at that <laughs> Bayern game actually I remember 
seeing Pavel Nedved just as Bayern had scored the fourth goal up in the crowd and he looked like he was in tears like he just couldn't believe what had happened different kind of eventuality tonight in that Juve were far better than um, any performance Juve probably delivered in, the, in that season um, it felt a bit like Juve might be primed to do what they did at Old Trafford especially after the Ronaldo goal an amazing goal but um, didn't quite see that coming from United albeit they had one thing that was really different from the first leg and that was Marouane Fellaini well that, that was kind of like, in, the, in the press conference after the game like both coaches were asked about the impact Fellaini had and it was kind of one of the things I noticed during the game is that United kept trying swinging crosses into Alexis mm. Sanchez who's about three foot tall <laughs> and then you, you put a guy who's bigger than both me and you in the, in the box and he causes hundreds of exactly we're <laughs> massive <laughs> you more so than I and you, ch- you chuck a 190 centimetre guy in the middle of the box with a massive afro and it just causes so many problems <laughs> Yeah, exactly, and it's it's quite typical of the way that Mourinho has played with United at times. Um, but then again, p- people who followed culture for plenty of years know what Mourinho is like in terms of using the the big tough players on his side. Mourinho, uh, Fellaini is the biggest and toughest that United have, and and when they don't have him, they're a completely different side. In fact, if you saw some of the set pieces in the first half when United were trying to do something like high or um, from out wide they had like Pogba, Smalling um, Matic and that was about it, maybe Lindelof on, on occasion but that's not enough of a threat whereas Fellaini just gets about teams mm. he doesn't care, he gets his arms, <laughs> his elbows his whatever else, he just doesn't care what he throws at um, the ball as long as he gets to the ball And um, although he didn't set up the first goal, it was Pogba who was fouled for the first goal um, still just his very presence just had Ju- Juventus on the back foot and as Mourinho said afterwards him bringing on Fellaini meant that Allegri had to bring on uh, Batali and then they lost Quadrado on the break and, and the, just that knock on effect just shows Mourinho's thinking all the time and we've seen it before he, he sometimes just gets it absolutely spot on I was going to say do you think Mourinho then outcoached Allegri to an extent yeah 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 well, completely simple simple as that he got done and, and but it is always dependent on other factors because, for instance, in the first game, we saw there was no Fellaini and Mourinho couldn't find another way out. Mm. So at, at certain times, he'll just grab onto something that always works for him. At United, it's for Fellaini, it always seems to work for him. And when he doesn't have that, or Fellaini has an off day, or he's going through a bit of a bad spell, United don't have that plan B. Mm. And just just want to finish on Juve then, because obviously this is probably the first time you've really had a good look at Juve for a long mm-hmm. time, and especially Juve this season. That are, as Josie Mourinho said, that they're going for the Champions League, and they're quite clear about that, and that's the competition they want to win. Like, like they dominated United over both legs. I mean, what, watching Juve, what did you take from this team, and do you think they're good enough to win the Champions League? They just need to score more goals when they're on top. I think it's as simple as that because they have been on top for long spells of both the games. And when it comes to the latter stages, if you think of this, had this been, and obviously you play the game differently if it is a two-legged affair. Mm. Had this been a two-legged affair, United go through because of the away goals. But um, you know, they just have to be that more, bit more clinical when they're on top because otherwise it could trip them up in a similar situation further down the line. That being said. Dybala again like his feet I could watch that all day long the way that he plays with the ball um, and also 
you know, they, they were a bit unlucky in the terms of like Dybala shot off the yeah, bar and stuff like that. But Kadira hit the post. Yeah, well. exactly. But it's it's a running theme. They they have to make the most of it. They really do because they could have won both games four 0 Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll have you back on later in the season when United get through to the next round and face Inter, Napoli, Roma, and maybe Juve again. So there we go, Pandy. Um, a couple of, just just wrap it up on Juve then. Uh, to, I think they had like 23 shots on goal and I think it's the most I've had in a match since like 2013 I think against Real Madrid it's something stupid like that so it's like crazy Is, do you think Allegri should be a bit worried that you've got Ronaldo you've got Dybala you've got um, Douglas Costa you've got Pjanic you've got all these wonderful players and you, you're struggling to score the second and the third that you really should I, I I don't know. I, th- I honestly think it was just one of those one of those bizarre nights where it just wouldn't happen for Juve in the final third and for Man United from two set pieces that did. I I really don't think he should be that worried because I think it was only last week where Allegri was kind of bemoaning the fact that he was sick of winning maybe two one three one four one where they were. They were kind of finding the net, but conceding these one goals every time, like they did against Calgary in the last league game. And then he said, oh, "I think his exact quote was he wanted to win more games one 0 <laughs> They lead by a goal with uh, with three minutes to go or four minutes to go, whichever it was, and and they do manage to still throw it away. So I think I think it was just I think it was just one of those nights, to be honest, where. You know, they they had plenty of chances, didn't take them, and and Man United did. And I think it, to them. I think as well, it might kind of be a a wake up call almost because they, they smashed Man United over the like, yeah. thing. Yeah. Thing thing is the the point that Chris made about the the UV would have won if it was a knockout game. U, uh, Juventus would have lost, sorry, on away goals. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy. Which is a think. scary thought when you think about it, <laughs> but, considering uh, the domination. Yeah, exactly. But they absolutely smashed them over two games, which is yeah. really, really crazy to think about. So I think that's something obviously Allegri will kind of look like let the players know, say, right, you've kind of you got away with this here. Like the, the the game really isn't that important, but you can't do that in a quarter final mm-hmm. or a semi final because then that's that'll matter then essentially. Yeah. So there we go. Right, let's go to the San Siro because. Big Bad Barcelona came to the San Siro. Lino Messi sat in the stands because he still hurt himself. Um, and guess what? Malcolm scored. That's Roma's Malcolm, if you remember, <laughs> Paddy. And, and then Icardi scored with three minutes left, obviously. All the people doing reports on that game must have been loving it with a goal in the 83rd and then 87th minute. So... This this is this is almost kind of the, the same as the UV Man United game, but except it was the home team that got absolutely battered and managed to get something out of it in a kind of almost smash and grab way as well. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they just they just couldn't find that second goal enter. But I think for all that Man United was a bit was a a bit of a travesty that they managed to get out of Turin with three points. If Inter had left that game with a win, ah. Oh, <laughs> I don't even know what the word would be for that though, because they they got absolutely battered them. So I think it was the lowest amount of shots that they've had in a Champions League game since two thousand and nine when actually when they played Man United and it was the most shots Barcelona have ever had in an away game in the Champions League since that kind of data started being collected. So that just pretty much tells you how how badly Barcelona battered them and yet again when you don't 
put the game to bed. You don't kill the game off. It gives the team a chance. And Big Mallory Cardi. Uh, yeah, scores, you, you can't. Goals. You just can't give them give that kind of room in the box. I know it kind of came from a mistake. I think Barcelona did have their chances to clear it. and But the ball makes its way to him and he, he finds a way in. And you do, you do kind of have to take your hat off to them. That's, what is it, two Champions League games they've played at home this season and all three of the goals, I think, have came pretty pretty late on. Oh, that yeah. might have been the earliest one, actually. The, the two sports goals, obviously, <laughs> very late in that game. So they do... Uh, well, that, that's that's the thing. That's their thing this season, isn't it? Yeah, it's to yeah. score goals late in games. So whatever kind of fitness regime Spalletti's put the Inter guys on this season, it's it's working because I think I can't remember the stab. I think of all the teams in Serie A, the Inter are the team that scored the most goals in the last fifteen minutes of matches. Yeah, yeah, and, and obviously that when you take that into the Champions League as well, it's obviously better. Well, absolutely, it's just. Whatever it is about them this season, there's just there's absolutely no uh, no giving up in them. And even I know some of those games, obviously they've, they've scored goals late, like they did against Genoa when they were battering teams. But that shows you they're they're just as willing to you know keep looking for going for the jugular late in games that are already put to bed as they are to kind of chase games down like they've did against Tottenham and and then Barcelona. And like we said, they. they Probably didn't deserve to win, but that is that's a massive point because to get anything from the two games against Barcelona, considering how they've kind of turned themselves around now, and especially when you're trailing to to a late goal like that, that is that's a massive point for Inter, and especially given what Spurs did against PSV, kind of rescuing themselves right at the end in that game. It's it's huge for Inter to have the the three point lead over uh, Spurs as opposed to the the two points that it could have been if, if Barcelona had held on in that one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. A big result and really important. Um, right, another kind of... Th- th- this result is not, it's a big result, but I think other results make this an even bigger result, or it could have been an even bigger result, because obviously Napoli drew 1-1 with Paris Saint-Germain, Juan Bernat scored, and then Insigne scored to equalise for him. That came off the back of Liverpool getting beat off Red Star Belgrade, which really kind of keeps that group super, super tight. And obviously, Napoli are still unbeaten in the uh, in the Champions League this season. So this is another one of the um, kind of good Napoli Champions League performances. And is it the the Angelotti effect? Would you say? Uh, well, I th- yeah, you probably could could argue that because you know it was a really really tough group and I think at the start of it you know a lot of us probably I think I had pretty much had wrote Napoli off you know what Liverpool did last season getting to the final and then competing with the the millions that the PSG have had and you know Tuchel in charge there you don't quite know how that's going to go for them this season chasing the Champions League that they're kind of doing every year but like the money they've got to spend incredible compared to Napoli and yet over two games I think that Napoli they can actually more than than hold their heads up I think they probably were the better team over two games and you know maybe a lot of people disagree but I think if you got to the knockout stage I'd be a lot more worried about playing a team like Napoli than PSG like I know they have that firepower and all that but you know Napoli Napoli just seems to be sneakily good this season under Ancelotti and they're just kind of ticking along and a lot of rotations and a lot of people are getting their chance and everybody's kind of coming in and out which is completely different than we'd seen under Sarri but yet no matter the competition you know, they're picking up 
impressive results almost every week. I, I think you know it was it was quite amusing to see uh, Buffon at the centre of another penalty storm, considering his his, uh, his antics after the penalty that he was given away in Madrid last season in the Champions League. Probably just about a penalty. I, I can see why, as a goalkeeper, he'd be quite annoyed about about that one. But what a penalty as well from Insigne, actually. I don't, you know, I suppose you don't often credit too much for penalties, but he really kept his head well there. Um, well, we had our very own Vieri Capretta at the Stadio San Paolo to watch the game. Um, and I had a little word with him as well to see, to see what he thought. So, hello, Vieri. Hi, Dov. So you were at the San Paolo, hashtag FAF at the games. What did you think? Was this another Napoli masterclass? It was definitely a masterclass in some respects for at least 20 minutes early in the second half. But it wasn't as good as uh, the games against Liverpool and Paris Saint-Germain. Of course, when you get a result like that, a draw against uh, Paris and you know going very close to a victory, it was still a great, a great performance by the Partenope. But I think compared to the, the game at the Parc des Princes, this time around, Napoli weren't as uh, efficient in uh, controlling the whole match. But we're talking about a minimal difference. They were still very good. Ancelotti has put together a fantastic team in, uh, in very short time as well. I mean, taking over from Sarri, maintaining all the positives of uh, Sarri's uh, football and adding the... That quality in uh, being able to perform accordingly to the opponent, which I think is the big difference uh, to what it was last season. Uh, the rotation, making everyone feel important. Ancelotti's been great, and we saw that uh, also on um, Tuesday night. Napoli getting an important result, and of course now putting themselves in the best condition possible to try and make it past one of the most difficult groups they could have ended up in. Uh, after the game, obviously, there was a few controversies and Neymar said that the referee lacked respect. And do you think that PSG were unfairly treated in the match? To be very honest with you, uh, from the stadium, it never felt like there was uh, any referee decision that was uh, uh, that gone the wrong way. I mean, Neymar might be saying that, but to be very honest with you, it didn't feel like that at all from the stands. And uh feels like Napoli and Paris Saint-Germain were both uh, treated equally and uh, the draw is a, a fair result. And obviously, like I mentioned before, with Liverpool losing, Napoli are top of the group. Um, Paddy thinks they're in a strong position. Do you think they can make it through? Napoli can definitely make it to the next round, absolutely. I mean, they need to get those three points against Red Star. I know it feels even worse not having done that in the first game, in the opening game uh, of the Champions League campaign. But as, as Hamsik said, uh, before they, do, uh, they make any other thinking about the future, about the next round, they just need to get those three points. doesn't matter how, um, but playing as they did against Paris Saint-Germain and Liverpool, they will be able to get rid of, um, of Red Star. And I think Napoli deserve to go through from what they've shown. And I think they've got everything in place now to do it. Well, there we go, everybody. Um, we just got one Champions League match to quickly go over. Um, and that was one that I thought was going to be very, very difficult. And that was Roma's trip to Moscow to face CSK. But they went to Moscow. They came back with a win, Paddy. 2-1. Lorenzo Pellegrini getting the winner after Costas Manolas um, scored early on. And then a Sigurdsson. 
Um, Arnor Sigurdsson, he, he scored equaliser, assisted by Akhmetov. I've been practising my uh, Russian names. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, I think, Paddy, you were doing this for Forza Italian football, um, and you went with big Lorenzo Pellegrini because he got the assist for Manolas and obviously got the winner. Um, to If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Put Roma pretty, not officially through, but they're pretty much through in this one. Yeah, I think they'd be, be a pretty big shock if, if Roma managed to throw it away. But with Roma, you know, you just don't know. I think they will get through, obviously. They're, they're not going to throw this away. But this game just shows that you really don't know what kind of Roma you're going to get this season. Like, they've went to to Napoli and been battled for the whole game and yet they've left with a draw and then you look at Sesca, a team that have beaten Real Madrid in the competition this season and I'm the same as you and it's people might write that off but Di Francesco said there was a big thing, even stuff like the cold in Moscow at this time of year, you know, I had that down as a really, really tough game for Roma, I thought if they got out of that with a draw, they'd actually be doing well so for them to get out with it with a win was, was very impressive but not quite for Di Francesco, you know, he was really, really angry pretty much throughout the whole game on the touchline and then he even extended it into the his interviews after the game where he basically said, you know, Roma might have won but he was not going back to Rome happy at all, he's quite angry with the players, he, he was angry at how bad, how easily they gave away possession, just long balls back to the opposing goalkeeper and kind of letting Akinfeyev build from the back for Seska several times particularly during the second half and it was it wasn't uh it wasn't the 
the smash and grab or anything like that that you know Man United and and Inter had in in their games that we discussed already. But I think Roma, they they kind of they did they did a few moments where I think Manolas in particular put in some big blocks. Um, I don't know if I wouldn't say that they didn't deserve to win, but you can certainly see why uh, Di Francesco was so angry and animated in the second half. I think the red card in particular, although it was deserved, was was probably a big help to them as well. Mm, indeed, and obviously they've got Real Madrid and Victoria Pils in, in their last two matches, so that that they, they, you don't really see them screwing it up. So they should be in the knockout stages as well. Um, so what, actually, here's one thing I forgot to ask you about. What did you think about Jose Mourinho's uh, gesture uh, <laughs> to the fans after the game? Well, I'm no great fan of Mourinho, dog, but it would be hypocritical of me considering I'm, you know, kind of one of these people who bangs the drum for emotion in the game and that kind of thing. And you know, I can see, uh, you know, you take a lot of stick for for ninety minutes. Oh, he's within his rights, isn't he? To to kind of give it back to them a bit and you know if he's going to play the, the pantomime villain I, I say let him because you know you, kinda, you need that kind of character don't you though? No, 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 to be honest I thought it was absolutely hilarious to be to be fair to him like, he wasn't getting dogs abused for 90 minutes or, or not from the whole well the, the, way, the way that he uh, the way that he likes to tell it yeah, no, I think it was after UV scored like they just basically the fans went at him and it was quite funny and I was like I was waiting to see what he was going to do because obviously after he, he put up the three for Inter winning the treble, he's got he's obviously got to do something. <laughs> There's no way he's not going to do anything. And then when he did that, obviously he's seen Bonucci who celebrated after the when he scored for Milan against Juve, loving it. And I think who else? Well, the only thing that ben was funnier was if Bonucci had uh, had stuck the nut on Jose in the, the centre of the park. That would have yeah. been. Well, they're, 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 it's, it's funny, they all get angry over stupid things, but then they do it just as bad as well. Yeah, so well, think. you're right, actually. I never thought of that point about Benucci kind yeah. of rubbing a celebration in that maybe he couldn't have. Even Ronaldo, though, during the game didn't... Uh, I was, I was kind of... He, he celebrated, yeah, he went yeah, for I know, that. Yeah, then, I love that. I love it that yeah, up there celebrating. But then I kind of thought maybe was it just the goal was so, uh, was so good and so out of nothing that... Maybe he just forgot. He just got caught up in the. Like, I, I wanted to show everybody his abs, Paddy. That's it. He was just like <laughs> he, was, he was just waiting for that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you see Jesse Lingard today. He put a picture of Ronaldo on his abs and then his abs and says, "Who did it better?" So you can go and tweet Jesse Lingard <laughs> to see who's got the best abs. <laughs> Um, what else? Uh, yeah, and the other one, I just want to mention this, if people haven't seen it, but they probably have, um, but Graham Sunes on whatever TV programme, he was commentating, like could have been a pundit on, um, saying that Josie Mourinho could have caused a riot, um, and conveniently forgetting the time where he popped a Galatasaray flag in the centre circle at Fenerbahce's pitch which um, McCarthy picked him up on. I thought that was quite funny. It was just... <laughs> so, if so, anything's going to cause a riot. Uh, so if you really want to antagonise a team, you do it in Turkey, in a derby, and you go and plant a flag in the centre circle, and that's going to cause a riot, not copping your ear to some fans <laughs> who've been annoying you for the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> so you go, right, Champions League's done. Italian teams are looking pretty set. I think we've got good... Good hopes that all four can get to the knockout stage. I think they should, shouldn't they, Dom? At this stage, I think yeah, I think they're all in really surprised. Yeah, yeah. They're all really, really strong positions um, to get through. They're the only ones that I play, but I think the way they play, they should be able to do it. So that's good. And um, obviously, we'll have a much clearer picture in the next match day. Now, let's quickly move to the 
Europa League. We'll start off in Seville because uh, Real Betis played Milan. Um, it was 1-1. Giovanni Lo Celso scored after 12 minutes. And then Big Suso, who is absolutely smashing it for Milan right now and making me look like an absolute idiot, um, he got the equaliser just after the hour. Um, now, Paddy, I know you, you, you didn't see the, all of this one. Um, I did. Milan got absolutely destroyed in the first half. I think they only had 32% possession. Betis, they, they should have had at least another two goals. Like This is another one of those. They created loads of chances, had the team on the ropes, didn't put them to bed. And then Suso, I think he, he, he had a free kick over. And it looked like Bakayoko was going to miss the ball. And he, well, it looked like he was going to head the ball. He missed it. And, it, and the free kick kind of just curled in at the back post. It's probably the best thing Bakayoko's done in a Milan shirt, not getting the ball where he probably wanted to. Um, and and, and Suso, everybody knows, I, I've got, I, I'm starting to get pelters on Twitter about Suso and how I don't think he's very good, but he's making me look silly, Paddy, because he well, keeps scoring, you, he keeps getting gonna... assists. Are you going to just have to, to hold the hands up there or going to keep fighting the fighting the good fight? I, I, I'm gonna, I might move on to he's in very good form right now. <laughs> I think ah, I'm going to move on yeah. to that one. Just pick on back Ayoko instead. Uh, but then he might get good and then I'll look really stupid. Uh, uh, it's a danger. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd, be, I'd be a lot more confident in back Ayoko than being very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, You're not wrong with the, the social good form, not one or two. Yeah. But with, like, over the two games, I mean, Betis are struggling in La Liga and Milan have played them at home and away and been by far the worst team. Like, they, sh they should have been battered tonight and they probably should have got battered the first game a bit more as well. Um, and it kind of tied everything up in Group F. So you've got Betis top on eight, Milan and Olympiacos both on seven. So you've got a big game in Athens. Yeah. yeah. Paddy. Milan <laughs> go there. Basically, that's winner takes qualification. Yeah, but the the big thing I suppose Milan have in their uh, in their arsenal is I think Dudelange still have to come to the San Siro, don't they? And they are, okay. you know, it's a, it's a surprise <laughs> that a team but, like that got this. But it was a surprise well, that they scored an Athens. I was just going to say this: they scored their first ever oh, Europa League group oh, stage goal tonight. I know, I know. I, I may have had a little a little bet on Olympiacos not to concede a goal. <laughs> Maybe that's why they conceded. Dodgy betting patterns, but uh, yes, yeah, so maybe if they can score in Athens, they can they can shock the Sands here. But I think that is the that's the big thing. I suppose Milan still have in their back pocket. It kind of puts the pressure on Olympiacos, I suppose, to to get something pretty much a win actually from from their game against Betis. But even if I suppose if they were to draw and, and Milan were were uh, to beat Dudelange, which you expect them to do, then you know. As you said, it still leaves it kind of winner takes all in Athens, and oh, you I think you were at the the Olympiacos home game. That's uh, that's not going to be an easy. It was I suppose tough enough in in Milan. Never mind mm. going there. So I think as well, like a lot of that, a lot of the, the kind of you, you get a lot of the reaction that are like, oh, this is terrible. This Milan team's terrible. Like in the Europa League, Gattuso's kind of played of almost like a second string team. Yeah, and in, in, in the games, and, and so you can kind of expect them not to be kind of 
firing really and you know when they're coming up against the likes of Dudeland and Olympiacos like the players maybe struggle a bit to get up for it that's why that's why I think anyway tonight he kind of changed it he played a 3-5-2 initially and it did not work in the first half he changed it to a 3-4-3 in the second and Milan were a lot better so I think what he's doing now, which I kind of I do really like, is actually trying different formations and experimenting a wee bit, um, because he kind of stuck to this four three three for a long time, and I don't think it fits the players. And I think he's he's going to find a system that works. I'm hoping he stumbles on the uh, a four two three one. I think that would be the best. I'm hoping he stumbles onto that, because he's kind of in the area, and I think if he does that, you'll probably get. A good run of form out of Milan, um, not just in Europe but in Serie A as well. And right, Paddy, last but by no means least, we've saved the best to last because uh, Lazio beat Olympic Marseille 2 1 at the Stadio Olimpico. Marco Parolo and Correa scored two goals, well, a goal each to get that, and then Tovan scored on the hour, which was a consolation for Marseille. But that win means that Lazio go through um, alongside Eintracht Frankfurt in their um, Europa League group. So they're the first Italian team to qualify for the rocket stages of European competition. They're loving it this season, Paddy, in the Europa League. Yeah, it's, it's not bad going that as well when you consider that the finalists from the competition last season were in their group and they're sitting they're on out. one point. Yeah, with four games played they're on one point so fair play to that is I think that's just something you can always rely on it seems to be whatever happens at the at the weekend in recent years when it comes to a Thursday night you can kind of kind of back Lazio to, to step up to the plate and they've, obviously they have been uh, inconsistent I suppose at best in Serie A this season but they are uh, they are doing it in Europe that's the Eintracht game in Germany was a bit of a it was just a a freak night, an off night, the, the red mm. card in the first half, kind of, so that didn't help them that night, so I, th- I think you can kind of, maybe, well, not write that one off, but kind of look past that one, and Eintracht are, are definitely a good side, but it's kind of, I suppose it's what we say about Lazio most season, if they can kind of get the right draws in the in the knockout phase, there'll be a worry for any team, because mm. there's goals in that team, and what were the, they're the, the, yeah, well, the big one as well, obviously, right? Correa scored, and he's he's a guy that a lot of the kind of Lazio fans have been wanting. Like, why is he not getting a chance? Obviously, he came in. He's a good tricky wee player, good dribbler, and he showed that tonight. It was dangerous, and it, it this looks like it's a kind of the, the gate. Like you know how sometimes players you get a game, and it's one that kind of turns everything around for him. I think this could be that game for him where he could start playing a bigger part in Lazio's season and kind of playing either instead of Luis Alberto or maybe kind of alongside the Immobile or maybe even help uh, Inzaghi change the system a wee bit as well because um, as much as uh, Suso <laughs> has his um, uh, well, his negative comments for me, Caicedo is terrible. He is a terrible striker and if Lazio we'll have no to... argument here, Dolph. <laughs> if Lazio have to rely on him for any length of time, then... Yeah, it's not going to be very well, that's good. That's the worrying thing that he is the he's pretty much the backup. That was the one area Lazio seemed to neglect in the summer was they didn't buy that mm. kind of backup if the worst should happen and Immobile was out for an extended 
period with injury, it's like you said, it's Caicedo. Pretty much that they're relying on for goals unless they they rejig things. And and to be honest, I would I'd put Lucas Leva up front before I put uh, put Caicedo up there. Yeah, well, there you go, everybody. Who would you put up front instead of Caicedo? As <laughs> <laughs> a question. Yeah, but like like Lazio again, another kind of impressive performance in Europe. And like you say, that one kind of blip that they had, but they're they're doing good and there's. Uh, the, the the other good thing in in in, uh, in the Europa League as well that they're doing is they're getting some of the um, I want to say reserves but some of the kind of backup players and they're getting a game like Cataldi who's essentially the reserve of the reserve like he's kind of backup to Lucas Leiva and Badel and he had a decent game against Marseille as well so you've kind of got players there that are getting games in the Europa League and they're playing well which kind of could only benefit Lazio uh, over the course of the season so. There we go. Uh, all right, I think that's everything. Um, obviously, forcefangfootball.com, everybody. Hashtag FIF at the games. There's a big game this weekend. Um, Podrick, obviously, Parma go to Torino, which is the big one on Saturday. Um, and then there's another wee one on Sunday. Uh, I think that's Genoa. No, that's not. It's, it's Milan versus. Juventus. Oh, that other team from uh, Turin. The yeah. other team from Turin. Yeah, so it's Milan Juve. So obviously. Get yourselves onto ForzaFootball.com because we will be there and we'll have loads of stuff up around the game and stuff like that. So get on. Let us know what you think. Um, Podrick, thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Or late on a Thursday night, but people, you need to appreciate the work and effort we put into this because I'm knackered. <laughs> <laughs> and so is Paddy. He's done a quiz. His brain's in tatters. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> My body's not working anymore. Um... Connor and the gang will be back on Sunday night after Milan Juve to have a look at the uh, the, the weekend Serie A. So make sure you tune in for that live on the YouTube. And until the next um, European round of matches, there's nothing left for me to say apart from Arrivederci.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.